Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Did everybody get a good Valentine's today? Me and Sydney, we were kind of on the same page. He got a ham and cheese sandwich. I got a pepperoni pizza. That's pretty good, though. That's something you can enjoy. So we, uh, I did, uh, however, get to enjoy lunch with my wife today for Valentine's Day. I was in Macomb, and uh, she met up with me, and we got to go to lunch. And so we had a good lunch at Bromas, and uh, I was walking her back to her car, and I opened the door for her, and I was just telling her how beautiful she was. And I, I, as soon as I told her how beautiful she was, she just looked at me, and then she reached her hand out there, and touched my mustache and yanked as hard as she could and pulled a hair out from the roots. And I was thinking, what is going on here? I didn't. And she said, she said, well, I saw a hair there and I thought it was growing out of your lip. I said, it was. It's called a mustache. So that was my, that was my first Valentine's Day gift. So lesson learned, man. Don't tell your wife she's beautiful or she may rip the hair from its roots out of your face. I'm telling you. Golly. Now I know why Jennings don't have his beard anymore. <laughs> well, it was attached, but it ain't anymore. So. I was just trying to keep you groomed. Well, I'm... The bleeding finally stopped. He was standing there and he just went. She just was reaching up there. I didn't know what was going on. <clears throat> All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Acts chapter 17, verse 10. This is today's reading. Some of you may have already read this passage today. Uh, but this is a good, a good text, and so I decided we're just going to preach on it. But you'll have to read the rest of it for yourself if you hadn't already. We're just going to cover a few verses today. Verses 10 through 14. Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 14. Now what's going on here is that, is that Paul and some of these early disciples are, are going out and they're doing the work of the Lord and, and they are going to all these different places and they don't always get the warmest welcome in the world. They had, and the verses before, had just traveled to Thessalonica and they weren't received very warmly. They did not want to hear the message that they had to preach and so they ran them out of town. Now I encourage you to go back and read those first few verses if you hadn't already because it, you kind of get a better idea, but that's the just of what happened. They ran uh, Paul and his, and his mates out of town and they moved on down to a place called Berea. Now, we don't hear a whole lot about the Bereans in Scripture, but this passage that we're going to read tonight is talked about a lot. And it's a very helpful passage for us and it's talked about for good reason because we can learn something very good from the Bereans. So, verse 10. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. Now, the brothers could have been the brothers of Jason, physical brothers of Jason, who was talked about in the verses before. It could just be talking about brothers in Christ there. I think it's probably talking about brothers in Christ. But uh, these other fellow Christian believers were helping them get out of town, get out of Thessalonica, and they sent them on down to a place called Berea. On arrival, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. The people here were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, since they welcomed the message with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Consequently, many of them believed, including a number of the prominent Greek women as well as men. 
But when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that God's message had been proclaimed by Paul at Berea, they came there too, agitating and disturbing the crowd. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul away to go to the sea, but Silas and Timothy stayed on there. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you tonight as we look at these words. I pray that you help us to to understand the importance of, of, of really digging into your word, dear Lord, and, and praying to you and seeking you that you help us to understand what your word says. God, help us never to be too lazy to, to double check and, and, and make sure, dear Lord, that your word is, is what it says it is, dear Lord, that we don't get misled by anyone that may come and teach us something false or teach us something that's not true about your word. So help us to, to learn from what the Bereans did, dear Lord, that we can grow, grow closer to you and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is a good passage. As, as Paul and Silas uh, go to preach and teach these people of Berea, they don't just take their word instantly. They decide they need to go back and they need to check what they're saying. And it says in verse 11 that the people here were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. So the people in Berea were at least wanting to hear the word. They were open to hear what Paul had to say. Paul was coming in with this teaching and they it kind of piqued their interest and they were open. They didn't run him out of town like the Thessalonians did, but they were listening to what he had to tell them. Since they welcomed the message with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now that's the key verse right there that jumps out at us. They didn't just take what Paul said as, as truth. They said, okay, you're telling us some good stuff here, but we need to check it. And so how did they check what they were being taught? They checked it with the scriptures. And it wasn't something that they just did flippantly, that they just did really quick, okay, I followed along. But they went back and they searched the scriptures daily. They searched the scriptures. They didn't just kind of breeze over them. But they went to the authority, and that is God's word, and they said, okay, is what you're teaching us, can this be, can this be backed up by God's word? And they came to the conclusion that, yes, what Paul was preaching to them could be backed up by Scripture. And it's very important for us to remember that if we're a Christian, then we need to hold God's Word to a high standard. We need to look at this as something that is, that is crucial for our walk, that is crucial for our growth, that we know this is the inspired Word of God that God has given us to read. And if we believe as Christians, and we should, that the Bible is God's word and is authoritative, then we need to read it and we need to listen to what it says. We need to learn from what it says. And there is no other book in my life that I will say is authoritative other than the word of God. And so anything that someone preaches or teaches to me and hopefully to you, you check that with God's word to see if it checks out. And we need to be in God's Word to make sure that the messages that are preached to us are preached from God's Word and are, and are preached correctly. Now, does that mean that we always are going to agree with someone's interpretation? Well, not necessarily. But there's a line somewhere that's drawn where there's a difference between a difference in interpretation and clearly false teachings. And we don't ever want to take anybody's word for anything. Never take my word for anything. Always go back and examine the text. Always go back and read the text. No matter how good a preacher may be, whether he's super funny or super engaging or super entertaining or a great storyteller or whatever it may be, those things are all well and good. But we can't just like a preacher because of the job they do or because of the jokes they tell, but never go back and check what they preach. 
And that's how we get led astray as Christians. We have to be in the Word, checking the Word, and that's what the Bereans did. And we as Christians need to be like the Bereans, and we need to check God's Word. And we want to make sure that we really hear what God's Word is trying to say to us. And we really want to, we, we want to read it with open minds. And, and we have a tendency, and we have to be careful. And we have a tendency, and it's hard for us not to do this, but sometimes we want to read back into the text what we want it to say. Or what maybe we've been taught, it says, our whole life. Maybe there are things that we've been taught our whole life. This is what this text says. This is what this text means. And we've never really gone back and prayed about it and read through it. We just assume that because uh, somebody told us that that's got to be what it means. But it's important for us to read it for ourselves and to connect those dots and say, okay, can I really prove to myself that this is what this text says? Or can I prove that this is not what this text says? Boy, you want to really dig in and make sure you, you're understanding a text. Try to disprove it. Try to say, okay, does the Bible really teach this? And see if you can disprove it. Or vice versa, see if you can prove it. And if you can dig into the text and you can find everything to back it up, then you're strengthening yourself. You're growing yourself. You're, you're learning more about God's Word. And by doing that, it's not that we're doubting God's Word or saying that we don't believe it. It's just saying, no, I want to get it right. I want to make sure that what I'm reading is correct. But so many times uh, we want to read uh, what we've been taught back into the text. And so we don't give it the time that we should. We just read over it and say, well, that, that means that. Well, maybe it does or, or maybe it doesn't. And so there's a couple of things that we can learn from the Bereans. One is we need to read God's Word because we want to know what it says. We want to make sure that it's accurate. Two is we want to make sure that we're not reading our own thoughts and our own culture into the Word. And that's something that maybe we don't realize, but as Americans, we may view scriptures in a different way that someone in another country would. Sometimes as Americans, you know, isn't it funny how we read these scriptures and all of a sudden we find these ties that they, that they oh, it's, it's talking about America. But did you know that every other culture and every other country does the same thing? They read those scriptures and they say, boy, that must be talking about this event that happened here. And so we all have a tendency to pick out different things based on our culture and based on our lifestyle. And it messes up sometimes what the text may really say. And we want to get that. We don't want to miss that. Uh, there's a book I've been reading. It's called uh, reading, uh, reading the Bible Through Western Eyes. And I haven't got too far into it, but it's very interesting, at least what I've read so far. And the author talks about uh, he was a missionary in some island off of Australia in that area. And he was out there for a while, and this village was a Christian village, and they had a couple that had, that had come into their village. They had got run off from their other village because they had been sinning. They had sinned so greatly that the other village ran them off. And the leaders of the church in this missionary's village said, Look, these are good people. This is a good man and woman. They have been in this village for 10 years. They are model citizens. They are doing God's work, and they want to become members of our church. But we can't let them work. We're not sure what to do because they have sinned so greatly. And the missionary said, well, what have they done that, that, that warrants them not being able to join the church? What is the sin that they have committed? And, and they were reluctant to even tell him it was so bad. And finally, one of them said, well, they ran off together. They eloped and got married without their parents' permission. And the missionary said, well, Wait a minute, why is that a problem? And they, they looked at him, weird, and he said, they asked him, well, hadn't you ever read Paul's teachings? And he's thinking, I've got a PhD. My, my, my master's is in Paul. That's what I studied. He didn't know what they were talking about. But when they read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, where it says, honor your parents, 
They think that your marriage is supposed to be set up by your parents, and if you elope and you don't allow your parents to have a say in that, that you're not honoring your father and mother. Now, we with Western eyes would never read that. And we may even say, well, they're crazy. They just misinterpreted it. Well, maybe we just misinterpreted it, you know? I mean, they're, they're looking at us saying, well, we're crazy because we don't see that. And we don't realize those things because we kind of grow up in our little bubble of, of the South and in our Southern Baptist churches, and these things have been ingrained into us. But I'm challenging you tonight to ask the question, is that really what the Bible says? Now, I'm not calling you. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not calling you to doubt God's Word or to question that it is the Word of God. I'm telling you, search the text and make sure that you're getting God's Word right. Because it's easy for us to try to read things or see things in our culture that aren't really there. I'll give you another example from the book because there's some good stuff in there. But there was a professor, I think his name was Mark Powell, and he was doing a... Uh, a, little, a little survey in his classroom and he had asked his students to read the, the, the story of the prodigal son. Now, most of you are probably familiar with it. If you're not, ask me afterwards and we'll talk about it. But after, it was 12 students in the class that day, he got them all to read it and then he got them all to split up and got each one of them to retell the story to a partner in the classroom. And he examined each one as they retold the story. And he noticed that of all 12 of them that retold the story, they left out the part where there was a famine in the land. And some of you may be saying, well, I didn't know there was a famine in the land, but it's in there. Uh, the guy he gets his inheritance early from his dad, and he goes out, and he, he lives a while, and then there's a famine in the land, and he has to go feed the pigs and eat the pig slop. You, you kind of know the story. But none of those 12 American students mentioned anything about the famine. So he decided he needed to do a larger-scale uh, investigation. So this time he gathered up 100 students. And he did the same thing, and he got them all to share their accounts. And of 100 students, only 96 of them, or 96 of them did not mention the famine. Only four of them mentioned the famine. And he thought, well, that's interesting. It's a, it's a key part of the story. He said, I wonder uh, what the, and that, and that was the only big difference that he really noticed in the retelling of the story, the only, only key part that was, that was left out. So he said, what if I uh, did the same uh, test with people from another country. So uh, a couple years later, he was in Russia, and he decided to perform this, this, this uh, test again. So he got 50 Russians together in a classroom. They did the same thing. And of the 50 Russians, 42 of them brought out the famine as a main point. Now, what's the difference between the Americans that read that story and the Russians that read the story? Why was the famine of essentially no significance to the Americans and of great significance to the Russians. Well, the Americans focused on the fact that he was wasteful. After all, that's why we call it the prodigal son. That's what prodigal means. He was wasteful. And, and typically, as Americans, we focus on the fact that he squandered and wasted away everything that he had been given. But the Russians, it hadn't been too many years before when the Nazis came and there was a famine in the land and all of their people starved to death. And that was in their history. That was in their culture. And so a famine was a big deal for them. And so the key point that the Russians got from the text is not that he wasted away all of everything that he was given, but that God was gracious enough to save him through the famine and deliver him. And that's just a couple of examples that kind of open our eyes to say, whoa, you know, that's something that maybe hasn't jumped out to us. And that's just two texts. Just think about if we read through this whole Bible, uh, all these things that we could be missing. I'm not saying that we're evil and wrong, but I'm just saying... What if there's more to God's Word than we realize? 
What if in our mind we've just determined that we know what every story means and we know it like the back of our hand and we never once dig in and, and, and give thought to the fact that maybe God is deeper than we realize. Maybe God's word is trying to teach us something that we've missed all these years. And so I challenge you that when you hear God's word preached, go back and read it. And don't just read that text, but try to find text to say, okay, is that really what that says? Can I prove my point? Is this really what this means? And ultimately, when you get a big enough group, you're going to have people that are going to have some differences in interpretation. But we're not talking about differences in translation or differences in, in, in interpretation. That's not what we're trying to guard ourselves from. We're trying to guard ourselves from false teachings that are going to mislead us. And the Bereans, when they heard the word, they said, boy, this is a good sign of the word. We're going to check this, and we're going to see if it's right. And everything we hear in our life, everything we're exposed to, we need to check it with God's word, and we need to see if it's right. We need to see if it lines up. We need to see if that's what God is really saying. And I can promise you, sometimes, sometimes when you dig into God's word, sometimes it's kind of scary because sometimes you come across the text that your whole life you've, just, you've been determined that it means this one thing. And then you begin to study, and then you're like, wow, I don't know if that means that. And then it's kind of a hard thing to wrestle with. You, you kind of have a hard time letting go. It's very hard to do that. It's very hard to, to let go of something you've held on to your whole life. But, boy, it's so rewarding when you really dig into the text. And, and you really are able to say, boy, what I believed is right. Or you're able to say, boy, I missed that. I'm glad God revealed it to me so that I can know the truth of what God's Word says. So my question to you is, are, are you examining the scriptures when you read them? Are you really looking into them when you read these chapters a day? Are you just skimming through them saying, oh yeah, I know this story, let me just read it and get on? Or are you really looking saying, is there something I've missed? Is there something that I've taken out of context? Is there something, God, that you want to reveal to me that I've never seen before? And God's word is so rich that there are so many things in there. And we need to be digging through it with a fine-tooth comb, like, like, like somebody looking for treasure. A couple of weeks ago, I was, I was screwing an antenna to my pole out back, and there was a tiny little washer uh, that I dropped. And boy, you would think that I'd be able to find a, a silver washer in the grass, but I had to look, and I had to comb through, and I had to get down there. And that's what we need to be doing with God's Word. Because there's little nuggets in God's Word that sometimes maybe we've missed because we don't want to dig in there and look around and look to see what we've missed. So let's be like the Bereans, dig in, see what truth is, see what God's trying to tell us, and not take anything for granted, but try to grow in the Word so we can grow in the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for these words, and I pray that you help us to be open-minded like the Bereans when we hear your Word, dear Lord. We don't want to just write somebody off instantly, dear Lord, because maybe they say something we've never heard. God, it may, be, it may be wrong or it may be right. Just because we haven't ever heard it doesn't mean that it's not right. So help us to, to take everything we hear and, and to check it out with your word, dear Lord, and to come to the conclusions we need to come to. I pray that you help us with the tough text, dear Lord. Some of them are hard to get. Some of them are hard to understand. So help us with those that are tough and, and help us to be patient. God, sometimes it takes years for us to really understand your word and see how it all comes together. So help us just to be patient on the verses we don't understand. Help us to seek you and dig into your word. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide each one in this church, not just the ones here tonight, but all the ones, dear Lord, that are reading your word, that you help us to see your word for what it is and not miss something great in there that maybe we've missed our whole life. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.